The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 346 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is family caregivers tell your stories. These days when pressures are growing and growing on family caregivers, it's more and more important for family caregivers to get their stories heard. So often family caregivers need to get their voices heard by organizations that quite frankly are too busy to listen to get their voices heard by healthcare or social services people who really are listening only for the family caregiver's answers to their questions and not the family caregiver's questions. And so often family caregivers need to get their voices heard by healthcare and social services people, by bureaucrats and by politicians who just don't have the time to hear the family caregiver's stories, which is why our topic, today's topic, Family caregivers tell your stories is so important for family caregivers. Now, to discuss it, our guest is Leanne Pico. Leanne is a story coach and consultant who is the owner of Very Good Stories. That's the name of her business, which helps organizations and individuals to develop their skills in storytelling. She was a practitioner and leader in the UK, Ireland and Canada for over 20 years. She's been working in a range of, or she was there, working in a range of services including homelessness, housing, mental health, youth engagement and volunteering. As a story coach and consultant, she now enables individuals and organizations to be more successful in their efforts by helping them find and tell their best stories. Her services include individual strategy sessions, workshops, and event speaking. She's passionate about storytelling, as she truly believes it can make our world a better place. So welcome to the show, Leanne. Thank you so much, Gordon. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Now, first question for you. Please tell us more about your life, your career, and your experience with family caregiving. Yeah. 
Thanks, Gordon. Um, well, basically, I have always been a helper. So I was always interested in, in um, getting involved in the um, social service side of things. So I was um, lucky enough to go to England when I was in my early 20s, and I got a job in a night shelter in a homelessness hostel in London. And um, from there, I, I started a 20-year career in the nonprofit sector. And um, basically, within that career, I worked with a lot of people with lots of different needs. As you said, I worked in uh, with people with mental health needs, around homelessness, with youth, and I also worked with the people around them. And I think over, in terms of um, when we're talking about family caregivers, I had some interesting experiences where I worked with people who had nobody, um, often because they'd been separated from their families. And so I would work with them on form- forming their own stories and advocating for themselves uh, around need. But I also worked with people who had families around them, whether they were um, unwell or either with mental health issues or physical health issues, but also kids. And basically, um, it really gave me a great insight into how uh, individualized we have made services and that it's actually about more people around them often. So within that time, I worked with a lot of people um, who were caregivers, and um, some of those were young carers. Um, in the UK, there's a, a big young carers movement which recognizes kids who are staying at home, um, often totally under the radar, are with uh, looking after their parents who have um, some sort of issue that is impacting their parenting and they either look after their parents or they look after the other kids. Um, But I also worked with families around having a voice and um, enabling uh, people who are using services to utilize that voice more effectively. And um, from on a personal level, so I did that kind of as a practitioner, but I was also um, an executive director. And so part of that piece was around telling the best stories for the organizations that I led to either access funding, which is highly competitive, or to get people interested in volunteering or working for the organization. So that's kind of my um, career around storytelling and uh, my experience around caring. But I also um, have personal experience around my grandmother um, had Alzheimer's for a a number of years. And although I wasn't the primary caregiver, it was a really um, impacting, it's a really impactful thing that happened for our family and it gave me a really great insight into the, the challenges around making decisions and accessing good health care. So I come to you today with a, a real passion for caregivers. Right. Now, Leanne, please tell us more about this business of yours, Very Good Stories. Leanne? Well, Very Good Stories came from, I guess I, I realized, I decided to go out on my own and to, I wanted to run my own business and work with people. Um, again, connecting my desire to help people with an ability to make an income for myself. So um, I realized that the thing that I enjoy most doing is helping people tell their stories and having a voice, um, whether that's accessing services or whether it's as a leader of a business or organization or um, potentially as an organization trying to make change. I think that um, with storytelling, I, I bring a unique perspective in terms of my nonprofit background, but also from my um, liaising with people who often have stories that people don't want to hear and helping them to tell stories to help them get heard. I think that that's a unique piece. And storytelling is often about marketing, and, and I 
I'm very happy for that because I think storytelling is a, a wonderful thing. But in my business, I wanted to also work with individuals and organizations on, you know, telling really heartfelt stories and, and um, making an impact with them. Right. Now, you've answered this next question already to some degree, but I want you to say more in answer to it. And that is, tell us, please, why you set up your business, Very Good Stories. Tell us more about that. I guess for me, storytelling, I I do have a belief, as you mentioned in the intro, that storytelling makes the world a better place. I I think that there are... um, a lot of systems around now which uh, dictate things like performance reviews and um, tick boxes for uh, whether people get services and, and things like that. And I have, a, as I said, a big passion around story um, enabling people to communicate better. Um, in some ways, it's the kindest way to communicate. So if a leader is telling a staff member how to do something different, a story makes all the difference um, how they're actually speaking to somebody over, you know, a 360-degree performance review. Um, another example is around um, individuals when they want to um, share share things that have happened to them, but in a strategic way in order to get services. So, again, very similar to what we're going to talk about today, um, often we aren't well-equipped to uh, deal with the emotions that arise when we have uh, things going on for us and we want to, and I want to be able to help people kind of cut to the place place that will help them be the most effective and get what they need, whether it's a service that they need somebody to hear them or even whether they just need somebody to make a change in their life. So um, I also work with parents around storytelling with kids. So it's it's a really uh, big piece for me around just getting better about communicating and utilizing stories that that work. Uh, Stories are, we are wired for stories. We are, as human beings, we've been using stories for all time. This isn't new stuff. We've gotten away from it a little bit by um, getting really focused on collecting data and evidence. And, um, you know, storytelling is a big part of that, however. And so I'm passionate about bringing people back to the idea that stories can influence others. Whatever you need or whatever you're wanting to do, utilizing a story is is the most powerful way to communicate. Now, I'm getting a, a hint from what you're saying that there's an emotional component to this. That is, telling a story, this is a question, is it a matter that telling a story in such a way that the people who are listening to you feel that their emotions are involved, that their emotions have been appealed to? Is that right, or am I going too far when I say that? Leanne? No, you're absolutely right, Gordon. I think that, um, you know, again, the reason why we're wired for story, and I don't, uh, I can't explain the science of it, but when we tell a story, it, our brains are structured in such a way that we, we, the story comes into our mind and we adapt it to our own experience, which brings up emotions for us. So you're absolutely right. It is about tapping into an emotion, and that may be compassion, it may be empathy, but it also may be other things depending on the story. But it is that is the difference between um, a story and a description, or even a scenario, or a um, a fact. So with with stories, they they go somewhere that facts just don't. Um, and again, it's it's kind of um, 
as you say, you know, you have to be a little careful because you, you, you know, you could bring up many different emotions for your audience. So there, there is something around being very mindful about what emotion you're trying to elicit when you're telling a story. And, um, but sometimes it's not about um, being conscious of that, that it just does resonate. It may not resonate with every single person you talk to, but guaranteed it will resonate with, with many and on that emotional level. And, there, and that is why it's more powerful often to communicate that way. Right. Now, still talking about the emotional component, have you... This is a very long question for a very swift answer, and that is... Uh, is there any way of predicting ahead of time what kind of emotional response you're going to get from a particular type of audience when you do your very best and s tell a story that evokes emotions? In other words, are there any predictors? Just very quickly. Uh, the biggest predictor is who your audience is. So thinking about the audience and, and what they're coming to the exchange with. And then the second piece is in the story that you tell. And we can talk a little bit about that later, about your story choice will be the piece that um, makes a decision about what emotion will be brought up and what um, will resonate with the audience. Right. Very helpful. Now, talking of resonating, uh, we've reached the time in this, in this segment where we have to take the break. So we're going to do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Leanne Picot. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on Earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, 
please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Lian Pico. Our topic is Family Caregivers Tell Your Stories. Bian, now let's talk about a story that you've selected for discussion. So use it, please, to explain to us what a story actually is and what types of content actually make up, constitute a story. Yeah? Thanks, Gordon. Um, so I'll, I'll go through the scenario in just a second, but I thought I would preface it by talking about, the, as you asked, um, what a story actually is and, and the types of content. Um, with family caregivers, there are many different stories around the experience. And so I just wanted to be really um, clear about the fact that there is no one story and that it is often important to really understand that, that there are, um, in fact, three different types of stories as a summary um, in the family caregiver's life. So we have the, the stories related to supporting the other person. Um, whether they're here or no longer with us, there's a story there, um, which might be about getting needs for services or about um, their experiences. And the one that we often don't talk about in healthcare terms, and I'm sure your listeners can um, uh, empathize with this one, is the support for self. So as a caregiver, the very nature of being a caregiver is that we are more focused on the other person's story and their needs. And we can often get lost in that story, um, both because it's emotionally and physically um, compelling to be part of that story and it's the job of the caregiver, but also because the health services are geared to the person receiving services and often don't really think about caregivers. So, you know, it's hard to think about ourselves, but I'm going to really um, ask people to really remember that you have your own stories as caregivers and that those are the ones that um, we mustn't forget in terms of our own health and our own uh, development. And then the third story related to caregivers is often the raising awareness story of the illness or the issue or whatever um, circumstances are around the caregiving. We tend to get very passionate about that and we may be passionate for a short time based on, um, you know, the uh, what we're actually dealing with, but we also may be more passionate on a long-term basis. Um, It's hard not to be passionate about something when we're exhausted and tired and it's taking up lots of time and nobody's listening and, and we're not getting the services we need. Passion is great. It's very useful. But we, you know, we need to remember that it's often um, a very useful tool for raising awareness and it's a, and often a way that people bring meaning to the situation that they have been dealing with. So those three stories, and then in terms of the structure of a story, we have a beginning and a middle and an end. And so for all of you listeners who have heard stories, the once upon a time and happily ever after, unfortunately that doesn't always apply and often doesn't in our stories around caregivers, but the structure of that story is very important um, because the beginning bit gives us a little bit of an uh, insight into what's happening. The middle bit is identifying the problem What's going on? What needs addressing? And then the end is around what do we need to happen next? And that's just, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as we move through this scenario, but it's just a highlight in terms of that an effective story does have those three things in it. And then on a bigger level, an effective story demonstrates impact. And again, I'll talk about that a little bit later on. 
Okay. So in terms of the scenario, yep. I'm moving I'm sorry, just interrupt one second. Gordon. Yes, I'm, I want you to go. Um, this was going to be my question. Tell us what a yes. scenario is, and, and maybe you can give us an example from the story you've actually selected yes. to talk about. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Gordon. Um, so I'm going to, for this first scenario, I want to talk about a need for service or support story. So that's a particular story. Again, caregivers have lots of different stories around the things that they need or want. And this is a need for service story. So I worked with a parent who had a child with Asperger's and was having difficulties in the school system. Um, it's the, the parent, um, this young man's parents were very, very dedicated, very involved. He'd been to three schools within two years. Um, so they became quite expert at trying to figure out his needs and advocate for them, um, but also got into a situation where they felt very isolated because they were actually having to attend schools in different communities from where they lived. So it was a very interesting um, thing that they had to deal with in terms of thinking that they'd found a better school, but transplanting the whole family into that community and the school community proved quite difficult. Um, other parents were complaining about inappropriate behavior and, uh, and were being quite intolerant of, of this boy. And they were making accusations and trying to isolate him from other kids in the school system. And so the family, you know, they'd already changed schools several times. And as we all know, change is hard on kids anyway. But for a kid with Asperger's, it's a really... Um, a huge thing to do and it's it's also this child was settling very well into the school and actually for the first time in about three years enjoying going to school. So what I was asked to help them with was to write a letter to the school board um, well, just just to go back a little bit, one of the parents became very vocal and was actually emailing other parents and trying to get this kid kicked out of school. So it was actually a very serious situation. Um, and the mother asked me to help write a letter to the school board to frame the family's story to try and get their help and backup in this situation because it was becoming quite a, a serious thing for them. Um, so I just want to use that scenario and then I will um, talk about kind of the examples of how the story works with that. So um, first of all, the idea of knowing your audience. As I said before, it's important to know who you're talking to. It makes a difference to your ability to connect with them, and it makes a difference in terms of, as we talked about earlier, the emotions that, um, that come up in dealing with them. So for this scenario, the audience was the school board. And what do we know about the school board? We know school boards worry about risk and liability and bullying, as well as children having access to education. And often, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, whether it's a should or not, that's how they often operate. You know, those kinds of systems are often reactive and often, you know, the, the things that really get them moving are, are issues around risk and liability. So we know that about school boards. So the key for this was to choose relevant stories that related to that audience and focus on the impact um, of the life of the child as well as the family. So, for example, I worked with the family to identify what was happening for the child when he was coming home from school, now that the situation had changed, he, he was previously enjoying school, now he wasn't, what was happening for him and what was the impact on his learning, as well as the impact on the family. So, for example, going to school council meetings, getting lots of looks, making them uncomfortable, um, and really then worked with them on figuring out the action. And so the action was about asking the school board to write them a letter detailing 
the things that they have in place to protect them as a family. And so part of the action was getting the school board to think about how their, what their responsibilities were to this child and to this family, and also think about the behavior of the parents in the context of their bullying policies and how does that relate to. So really with this story, for them, the story was really about getting the school board to listen and to act in a way that protected their child. And so that was the impact that they were looking for. So what they wanted was protection for their child, but they also wanted them to consider dealing with the parents because this was this was already kind of seeping into the kids' relationships with their son and things were being said and then repeated in the classroom. So they also wanted the school board to talk to the family and potentially talk to other families about the rights and, and responsibilities of the school the fam- school community around bullying, but also around accepting kids with special needs. So that's just kind of a, a brief kind of um, overview of the kind of way that story can be utilized to get what you need from the people that you're requiring service from. Now, I'm going to put this to you in this way, that time is always pressured when you're you have an important message story to get across. In this case, you used a letter, but mm-hmm. the letter has to be relatively brief. Nobody's going to read okay. a 50-page essay, <laughs> even in a school. Exactly. So that, quest- that question of time, I-, I know there can't be any hard and fast rules, but plainly you got that letter down to a size that was manageable for a school board. That's right, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. One page. That's right. One page. Yes. Now, I'm going to ask you the leading question, the obvious question. What was the outcome? The outcome was that they did step in. There was an investigation and that the um, the family felt satisfied that the school board had dealt with it. Um, I, I don't know in terms of the ripples with the other parents, but I do know that several of the eight parents who had heard this kind of stepped I don't want to be us in sides, but stepped into this family's corner and said, that wasn't right. You're right. We'll support you. So it was a good impact all around. As longer term, um, we'll see because it's a constant battle uh, for families with kids with Asperger's or on the spectrum disorder. So, But it, they felt like they'd been heard and they felt like um, action had been taken. To use an old Air Force expression, it was a state of message relieved and heard, wasn't it? That's right. That's right. But like you say, it was really important to be concise and to be brief and not to spend too much time on detail of, and this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened because people get lost in descriptions. We must be very, very strategic about and take time to construct. And I know that your your audience is probably saying, what do you mean time? I don't have time. That's the issue. But if we want to get things done, we must take time to make things brief because it is harder to be brief, whether we're writing or or speaking. It is much tougher to um, have a time constraint. Right. And I think it's a fair rule. And we're talking of time constraints. We're going into the break when I finish saying this piece. But I think there are always time constraints in our lives these days. And so I think what you've just said, that warning 
time has to be taken into consideration is a very important message. Now, having lectured everybody on that particular point, I'm going to take the break now because we have to. And here we go. This is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guest is Leanne Picot. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. It's time to take a new look at some of life's changing moments. It's time to listen to an expert who has been there and can provide insight through experience, studies, and enlightening guests. Tune in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Host Lindsay Levinson takes a look at relationships, parenting, health and wellness, divorce, depression, sexuality, philanthropy, and mental health. You'll look at everything you know in a different way. Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, airs Wednesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune in to the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Leanne Picot. Our topic is Family Caregivers Tell Your Stories. Leanne, let's talk about another story that you've selected for discussion. And I want you, by way of first question, to describe the scenario you saw or see in the story, uh, why you picked it, and tell us how you would use it to create a story for a family caregiver to tell to a medical specialist, a senior bureaucrat, or a politician. Leanne. Thanks, Gordon. Um, the second thread I've, I've uh, selected is the, the raise awareness story. And um, in a way, I've selected it because it's one of the m- most useful stories for caregivers after uh, something has happened or on an ongoing basis while they are looking after people in their lives. It sometimes helps caregivers to get out of their own situation a little bit and go to some, feel like they're doing something higher um, in terms of 
and I, I mean this in a way that is about helping others as well as their, the person they're caring for. But sometimes when we're in the details of caring, it is so... Um, a lot of times it's quite mundane. It's the bathing, it's the feeding, it's the supporting and driving to doctor's appointments and things like that. And for some people, they, they can get quite tired and depressed, feeling like that's their lives. And although they do understand that they're looking after people and that's crucial and important, sometimes people want to... Um, reach out and have a connection with the wider issue or with people who are dealing with very similar stuff. And part of that is around, um, and a really, really crucial part of that is around talking to other people who are going through a similar thing, recognizing that nobody ever goes through the same thing, but there are commonalities um, in terms of caregiving that are often really hard to get people, whether they're friends or family who aren't in the situation with you, it's hard for them to understand. So there's two reasons to kind of get involved in the the awareness raising piece, which is one, to connect with others who are similar. And so in a way, you're not always explaining, you're you're not always telling your own story with them because they know your story to a big extent, but that it's a place to be able to share your story and share it in a, in an empathetic um, way with somebody who, who really gets it. And then the second reason for getting involved in raising awareness is around feeling like you're doing something. It, it can feel, it can feel very helpless when our, our family member is deteriorating or we know it's a long-term, um, illness that we're not able to change. It's, that's, it's really hard and we feel helpless around that. So a lot of times it's really important for us to grab onto doing something about it, feeling like maybe we could prevent it, maybe get involved in getting heard about it. Um, so the raising awareness piece is, is really crucial for a lot of caregivers. Um, the story that I'm going to choose is, is around um, um, a, a local person in Ontario who we, um, some of us know, and his, his name is Chase McKecker, and he was a young boy from Barrie, Ontario. And he was campaigning to have um, it mandatory that heart defibrillators were made available in schools and hockey arenas. And basically, his um, this is this was the boy, and unfortunately, before he could make that happen, he died of cardiac arrest. And so he was young; he was sixteen, and his family carried on his quest. And you know, in terms of this um, story, I mean, it's one of the hardest things you can deal with is losing your child before you go and before your. Um, before their time. And so his family decided to carry on his quest. And it was a really interesting one in terms of the fact that he cared so much about it himself. And so the family felt like it really was carrying on his spirit and his um, his wishes after he died. And so what they did was they actually um, connected up with Heart and Stroke Foundation of Canada and they worked around creating a, a tribute fund, which was which raises money for automated external defibrillators in hockey arenas and schools. And so that's a common practice now. And then the other part of it is that they created a... Um, there was an act in, in Ontario, which is around the Chase McEachern Act, which is around um, releasing people from liability should they use the defibrillators and things go wrong. Because there's a real concern about risk and, and all of that. But this story gives us a really good indication in terms of something, you know, the family was dealing something very, very painful. 
and they actually um, created an ex- in a, a very effective story around their son wanting to do this. And then they built upon that, which was around the need. And so in terms of the structure that I talked about earlier, which is an introduction. So, you know, their introduction is, you know, our son Chase was very interested in this. And unfortunately, he died of the very thing that um, he was he was promoting. Hence, you know, demonstrating the importance of this. Um and then the, the kind of the middle bit, which is what's the problem. The problem is, you know, lots of kids get into trouble, heart trouble in hockey arenas or in schools, and they don't have the right equipment to deal with it. And potentially there's a, and I don't have the numbers, but potentially there's a number they could pull in their statistics around the number of possible preventions of death that could happen there. And then going to the action, there's a very clear action in this story. And the action is we want defibrillators in schools and arenas. And so, again, what they've done is they've really clearly um, pulled out the story to a place where people can actually act. And again, like I said before, we can often feel helpless, and that's the audience as well. So the audience, when we tell them a story, um, and something like this, you feel kind of helpless. You think, well, what can I do? And if you don't answer the question in an effective way and targeted way, you're really only raising awareness of the story you're not really raising any action based on the story. So it's really crucial to have that really clear action that you want your audience to move forward with. And again, if you're, whether you're running a campaign or whether you're um, advocating for better policies or you're advocating for better services, clarity around the action is really crucial as well as the kind of the other pieces around describing the story in a way that touches people's emotions. Now, I just want to go a little bit further into this question of the call to action. I want to put to you in the context that you've just been talking about, um, the advice you have for family caregivers in the way that they should prepare their stories so that these are compelling when the stories are used to gather support, create support for a cause that's somehow related to family caregiving. Um, What is it about a story in the kind of context that you've been talking about, because it plainly worked, that makes it compelling? Leanne? Yes, thank you, Gordon. And it's a very, very good question because there are so many stories out there and there are so many um, people needing things from either services or policymakers or politicians. I guess the the biggest piece that I would suggest is concentrating on impact because the piece around impact, it gives them a why. So when we have our audience, so we, if we talk about the call to action being important, but move back, which is the why, and the why is what's happening, how will my life as a caregiver or the person I'm looking after, how will their life change based on this action I'm asking you to do? So, for example, um, you know, again, just taking the case of Catherine's story, the impact, you could go two ways. You could go one, lives are saved, which is a very positive impact. And, and again, sharing the statistics and, you know, potentially a story of, you know, you've got your story of somebody who didn't, um, who didn't survive. And then the other impact is lives are lost. Um, so it's, you know, either one 
is potentially compelling, I would go for the lives are saved because people can buy into um, really positive, inspirational stuff. They want to make life better. They don't want to know how life could be worse. So there's um, two things from the, and again, just pulling away from that story for a moment, the two things that I would suggest on impact are impact on the person and how, you know, that action would have changed their lives had it been in place. So should that policy have been in place, how would my husband or daughter's life have been different? Or from the caregiver's perspective, if this were to happen, how would it make my life better? How would you be able to change my life for me? People's basic human instinct is they want to help. Now, people in the helping professions like doctors often, you know, they've set up whole systems for not being able to respond with that um, that basic core emotion. But they're there for a reason, and that is to help people. So it's, if you can eloquently share the impact that the thing that you're asking them to do will make on your life and utilize that in your story, that gives them a why. And that's the, really the key piece that makes it compelling. The other part that makes it compelling is why me? So again, it's about who your audience is. So if you're um, doing a talk about a, a, a policy change or an illness and you want to raise money, the how, how the audience is impacted is important too. So you will um, save 10 lives by contributing this much money, or you will enable me as a caregiver to be able to get up every morning and and feel confident about my job as a caregiver if you enable me to have respite every weekend, or whatever it is that you're looking for. They need a why and how they can help you. That's a reaching out, isn't it? And yes. in one way, it's a reaching, it's turning around from your own personal situation and asking the question first of all of yourself what can i do to be helpful to others who are traveling a similar or the, even the same road as i've traveled and that also can be very emotional because somebody who's yeah. been through the loss of a child is now devoting their efforts and time to try to make sure that nobody else loses a child in those circumstances. That's now, right. th that's the kind of message that uh, I've got from you. And just very quickly, in w words of one syllable, have I got it right? Because if I haven't, you need to put me right. Leanne? No, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right, Gordon. Okay, great. Now, on that point, we're going to take the break because it's the tyranny of time once more. This is Dr. Gordon Lavery, and my guest is Leanne Picot. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. 
you'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Listen for Matters of Design with celebrity designer Dimitri Christian Skarakis as he explores the dynamics of interior decorating. Imagine your personal style and ideas being shaped by our guest experts as they highlight a mixture of home furnishings, lighting, textiles, and fashion from around the world. If you've ever had difficulty trying to plan how to do it yourself, why not collaborate with a designer and wind up with results like you've never dreamed of? Matters of Design can be heard live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Tune in every week for Sex Out Loud. Host Tristan Termino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics. Get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry, the LGBT community, and the sex-positive world. From kink to non-monogamy, nothing is off-limits. Plus, you can call in to join the conversation. Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Leanne Picot. Our topic is Family Caregivers Tell Your Stories. Leanne, let's talk about what more you would like to do to promote the art of storytelling for family caregivers. Now, first of all, what what would you like to do to promote this as an art? That is a skill that people can learn, uh, they can apply, and can apply with great success. What more would you like to do? Yeah? Thanks, Gordon. I think um, part of it is what I'd like to do, and I'd also like to talk about what I think needs to happen for caregivers um, to be able to tell their story, um, is uh, a couple of things. One is, around the skill set. So I'd, I'd love to help caregivers to develop the ability to tell their stories more effectively to get what they need. Um, and again, for people to really um, understand that it's not their full story. It's not their whole story. It's only a story to get to where they need to go. Their whole story is so much bigger. And and to be able to really know that and understand that and be okay with that, because often when we're frustrated or we're not getting help or we don't feel people, we can dump stuff on and we, and again, it's not a judgment on my part at all, you know, sometimes the most ineffective things we do are to just kind of dump our entire story of our entire existence on the health provider in front of us because she smiled at us. And so it's, and that is so understandable. Um, however, what get, leads to frustration then is potentially that person isn't the person that can help or they don't know what you want them to do. Like I mentioned earlier, they don't know what the action is. So I think that I would really like to um, promote the idea that family caregivers share their 
their overall stories and their, their kind of pieces with each other and to be able to have spaces to talk about their experience and then to utilize storytelling in a way with the people, use it strategically with the people they need things from. So when they feel like they've been heard um, emotionally and, and um, you know, in terms of their experiences, but then they're also getting what they need in terms of services for themselves or others. Um, the other the other side of it, the second side is I think that, um, and again, this is not necessarily something I can do, but I have been promoting it and doing it for my whole professional existence is around enabling caregivers and, and people who are receiving services to have a voice in the healthcare system. It's extremely crucial. And the main way that the healthcare system often collects information right now is through research and collecting data. And, um, you know, storytelling has a real presence in, in the healthcare system. And, and I think, you know, for me, if people going caregivers and people experiencing services could work hand in hand with health providers, they would be able to access a lot more provision than they, they currently are. And the reason I say that is because people like politicians and policymakers, they're human too, although, you know, some may, <laughs> your audience may, may take me up on that one, but they are generally human. And um, and when they hear a story, and I've seen it happen so many times, when a politician is out and a politician is somehow, um, you know, accessed, and they hear a story, that story sticks with them. And right. often they make their decisions based on the story that they heard, and they yep. repeat it. So if you've got a great story, get to your politician. But again, it, it, for healthcare providers, you know, if if they're kind of, you know, the way they often look at it is uh, them and us, and then we do an us and them with them. And actually, the two could work really effectively together to leverage more resources and policy change, because right. they may say we need more money, but the why comes from really strong stories. Yes, exactly. Now, Leanne, because time's running out on us, yep. I'm going to stop you there, though I wish I, I didn't have to. But I just want to make a point to you that you, you've already actually said this in a, in a way, and I'm just going to say it back to you, and that is research, medical research particularly, which I've been in, is often a question of collecting numbers. But there's a different form of research which in which you ask people to share their experiences, their feelings, and their ideas. And it seems to me... That's called, by the way, qualitative research. Um, qualitative research, it seems to me, and your work with very good stories kind of fit together. We don't have time to discuss that, but in just, just generally, do you agree with what I've just said? Absolutely, Gordon. And in fact, I had a conversation earlier today with um, a major person at a local university who said exactly that. And we talked about data plus story equals evidence. And so the, the qualitative piece is crucial for providing evidence for whatever change you're looking for. Right. Great. Now, my very last question to you is this. What's your message for family caregivers with experiences they want to share for the benefit of other family caregivers? What's your message for them, Leanne? I guess my, my biggest message is don't be afraid to tell your story. And... Um, and remember that you have a story. Uh, it's often very good at telling the story of the person you're looking after. Um, 
Again, if you can be strategic about that in terms of trying to access services for them, but never forget your own story and what's happening for you and find opportunities to share that either that with other people who are experiencing similar things or find a way to um, get services or, or resources for yourself so that you can continue doing what you're doing so very well. Now, I'm just going to extend that very slightly and see if you agree with me. And that is to say, family caregivers getting together on the basis of their stories, um, each perhaps different, but nevertheless, each, all of them having broadly the same theme, is a kind of collectivization, or you could almost call it a unionization, to get the voice heard on a wider basis. Do you have any sympathy with that sense? And why it's a loaded question is that this show is called Family Caregivers Unite with an exclamation point, which is basically a call to a kind of political action. What do you think about the, the connection I've just established? What do you think? I, I'm absolutely with you on that, Gordon. Collective action is always based on collective evidence and storytelling. And so, again, bringing the story together because, um, unfortunately, in, in our world, often more looks more important than one. But in terms of policy change and making difference in, in the wider respect in the world, voices together always have more more impact, always. And I guess the thing is, is again, there. what I would say is if you're working collectively, find the elements that are similar and and run with those because they are there. Like you say, it might be different circumstances, but they're very similar things and they're very similar needs. So agree on an approach and stick with it and keep working together. Excellent. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this, but for me, thrilling and exciting episode. And Leanne, thank you. Um, Leanne, please, all I can say is keep up the good work because it's absolutely necessary. What you've been talking about provides that way forward for family caregivers, um, for people to share their stories, for people to have the impact, people to be able to express what you described as the action that's called for in a way that's going to soften the hearts of the hardest bureaucrat um, excite the imagination of um, a politician and generally get things going. So thank you. Keep working at it. Thank you, Gordon. <laughs> thank Thanks. you I, also I to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And with Family Caregivers Unite, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics, such as the one we've just been listening to. So please email me to hear more or to get involved. Our next episode will be what family caregivers should know about treatments for chronic pain. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 